no matter what you're facing, no matter how much you've been hurting, the hope of Christ changes everything. Uh, There's no doubt we have been going through a, a lot of times of uncertainty and hurt. Some of you have been hurt specifically by uh, this pandemic, and it's been in a very intense way. Others of you have been hurt by things that I don't know anything about, but I know your hurt is real. And Paul writes Timothy in the Word of God, and he's writing Timothy uh, to encourage him. Here's what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, because he knows Timothy's struggling. He says, this is why we work hard. He's talking to a young pastor. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people. He says, our mission, our vision is so important. We're going to always work hard. We're going to even be willing to struggle because our effort is to point people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Here's one of the interesting things why Americans, we become uncomfortable with struggle is because we like to be comfortable. Our society, the way most of us, especially my generation, probably 40, uh, I'm over 40, but 40 and under, have really uh, uh, had such an easy life. When things get tough, we don't know what to do. And Paul here is saying, even when you struggle, keep it up. Guys, it's not a bad thing to struggle. You know some of the most successful people struggle? And it's good. It's, It's okay to struggle. If you're struggling right now, please hear this. God is probably doing a work in you because Satan doesn't like it. So keep it up. Work hard. In the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the uncertainty, our God is alive and he is capable of saving all people, including you. If you're online right now and you're like, I'll never be able to really feel comfortable coming to church, church is exactly for people like you. And it's not the building, it's people that have been saved by God and we can all join together, amen? Our struggle is real, but our Savior is alive. And that's where we find hope in Christ. Today we're going to wrap up this series of messages uh, that have flowed out of our new vision. The hope changes everything. And it really began even before we thought we wanted to begin. We were going to begin after Easter. But when when everything got strange, we knew that we needed to launch the hope that we had in our vision even uh, before we thought. So we we launched it during the Easter season. And we're going to, to capstone it next week by celebrating the resurrection again. And this is a way that you can remember this. We're going to celebrate Easter in July. I've never done that before, specifically. We've, we've heard of Christmas in July. But next week, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it'll feel a lot like an Easter Sunday in July. And I'm excited about that. So next week, uh, make plans to join us here online. And we are going to celebrate the resurrection because that hope changes everything. Out of our vision, hope changes everything. There's been a threefold mission that we've launched. It's simple. You can, you can remember this. You can live it. Love God, love people, and serve all. That, that's, that's what we're to be doing. Because it's not enough to say, hey, we've got, a, we've got a great vision. Hope changed everything and then do nothing. No, we want to be loving God, loving people, and serving them. And then we have values that guide us. The elders and deacons and staff established these values in January, and we had no idea how valuable they were going to be during this crisis, during the rest of the the church future. These values may be our guide for five years, maybe for 50, but right now they're serving us well because their first thing we value is biblical truth. We have reminded and made a recommitment that our guidance is not based on our opinion, but based on God's word. The next thing we value is making bold disciples. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Not just for those who have been trained in Bible college. He says, if you are a disciple, guess what you're to do? To make more disciples. 
Let me ask you this. One thing we ask Ben, who is someone that he's been discipling? We love the fact he's been discipling people. Who are you discipling? We value making disciples, and it goes beyond the staff. It goes beyond the elders. It goes to a brand new person. I believe someone's going to be uh, baptized today. As soon as that person gives their life to Christ and they begin to live for him, they should be making another disciple. We should be multiplying. That's why I believe when we get to the end of this crisis, we don't need four services instead of just a social distance just to be able to have room to gather because we'll multiply. We also value all people. It seems simple, but God had us commit to this again in January, and it's so important today. There are people that feel disregarded, disgraced, um, despised, and those people need extra love and attention. But it doesn't devalue anyone else. Guys, we value all people because you know who Jesus died for? All people. Uh, there, there is not any one group uh, uh, based on race or finances or, or uh, zip code that Jesus did not die for, so we value all people. And there will be times where we highlight different groups, absolutely. But we value all people. We also value being relevant. That's why we're going to stay online. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but the internet is kind of a real thing. It's, it's going to stay around for a while probably. So we've decided to stay online because it's relevant. If you're online today, we're so glad you're there, but we'd love to see you when you become comfortable uh, with uh, your health concerns and all those matters because the Bible does say continue to gather together. If you're online, find that friend that you're actually working with or in, in relationship with and you're around and invite them to watch this with us at your house or your garage. If you're listening on the radio, we love you. We're glad you're able to tune in. But we're going to be as relevant as we can. Last week we talked about this, that we're going to do whatever it takes to stay unified. Whether it's in the building or, or online, we're going to make a great effort in being relevant and, and connecting with the world. We also value generosity. I got to feel the blessing of a generous gift this past week. Caught me by surprise. There is value, and, and when, when someone is generous to you, you feel appreciated. You feel valued. We value generosity. I pray that my gifts of generosity were a blessing to someone else, but, but we value that. I want to say thank you for your generosity. Do you know that we're in a better financial position at this point than before COVID hit? Praise God for that. Let's give God glory. Partly because you've been generous. We've also watched our spending more than ever, but guys, God blesses generosity. He also blesses this. We learned this last week. If you watched or listened or were here, we value unity in the spirit. I love this. In Psalms 133, God says, where there is unity, there I will bless. Guys, I want us to be unified and, and so that we can receive the blessings of God. Those are the values that guide us, that flow out of our vision, that hope changes everything. But I've got to cover this. At the end of this series, it, it, it could have been more at the beginning also, but, but there has been some people occasionally uncomfortable with this idea that we just say hope changed everything. Uh, it, it is un understood, and we need to say it, though, when it's, when it's questioned, our hope is in Christ. But hope needs to be understood with a biblical point of view, a godly point of view, than a worldly point of view. Because we abuse and misuse hope so much, and I, I'm guilty of this. Hope is commonly used to mean a wish kind of wishful thinking, and its strength in the worldly point of view uh, comes from the strength of the person's own desire. So here's what the world thinks. The more you have a desire for a wish, the greater chance that wish is to be fulfilled, and it's all based on then your own strength and your own confidence, your own desire, and that is wrong. Do you know where that type of hope leads you? Hurting, 
Because more times than not, whenever I've hoped in something based on my own wishes, it leads to nothing, to, 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 to uh, hurt. But here's where a biblical hope comes from. A Bible-focused uh, hope, a godly hope, says this. It's the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his faithfulness, not your feelings. I added that. But our hope in God it, it has confidence because of his faithfulness, not because of how I feel or what I want, what I wish. Our strength in hope in God is about who he is, not about what we wish for. An unhealthy hope, though, will keep wishing and striving to strengthen our own desire so we can gain what we want. I've misused hope a lot in my life. Oh, I, I hope for this. I, I hope for that. Uh, I've started to recently hope for rain. I know there's good reasons to hope for rain, but God's going to provide rain when he wants. We need to pray that God's will be done. And, and, and be careful what you hope for, because when it's not fulfilled, apart from God's will, it, it'll lead you to hurt. There's a lot of things I hoped for that were really selfish. Do you remember, if you grew up in the 80s especially, the tops or uh, wax packs, baseball cards, where you could buy a pack of baseball cards? Raise your hand if you remember those. You, how many of you ever bought a, a pack of something? Maybe baseball cards, football cards, or cabbage patch cards? Uh, raise your, be confident. Raise your hand. And you know, the whole idea, you would buy a pack. Uh, back when I started buying, they were 50 cents. Occasionally, I can remember buying three for a dollar. Man, it's a great deal. And you would open those, and you were looking for the card that, that you were needing or, or the, the card that was the hot card at the time. You hoped to get it. A lot of times, you know what you got was that pack of gum that, or that stick of gum that lasted 10 seconds. You know? that, that, was what you, that was the most valuable thing sometimes in the pack. But in the summer of 1985, I was looking for this card, a Vince Coleman rookie card. And I, I bought packs, and I would sift through the cards looking for Vince Coleman. I never found it, never found it. I, I probably bought 50, 60 packs that summer, never found one of those cards. Come to find out, that card is his rookie card that was printed after they had already done all the wax packs, and it was in the updated additional set that Brian Grove happens to have, and I'm very jealous. <laughs> so all summer, I'm like, hopeful, Vince Coleman, Vince Coleman rookie. Oh, no. Open another pack. Gum is, uh, mouth is full of gum, you know, and you're just, you're just wanting that pack. But, but when you don't get what you desire, what you're hoping for, you hurt. I also hoped during that same period of time for a BB gun for Christmas year after year. <laughs> I never received a BB gun for Christmas, and it hurt a little bit. may have a little scar in my heart because of that. I don't know. Uh, was I blessed with a BB gun later in life? Yes, and even other guns for sure. But there was something I wanted to receive, that BB gun for Christmas. It never happened. And I heard a little bit. I also hoped for A's on spelling test. Guys, it didn't happen very much. <laughs> I am dyslexic. Um, I've overcome a lot of that by God's grace. I also just, uh, back in the day, we studied phonics. I didn't ever figure out phonics. I don't know what's up with that. There were things that I just didn't get, but if you took spelling tests uh, during the 80s and 90s, the way it went was you took the pretest on Tuesday or Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, that if you aced, then what didn't you didn't have to take the, the final test on Friday. Guys, I took the final test on Fridays almost every time. <laughs> and I hoped, oh, Lord, let me just ace this test. My mom and I would study the words, but, but I would always miss one or two. I would transpose uh, uh, vowels, and I would just mix everything up at times. And my heart hurt over that. It really did. It was a frustrating. If you still talk to my classmates that I grew up with, they know uh, that I have trouble with spelling. So does the staff, okay? 
I also, my heart hurt because of wanting to make the all-star team. The town I grew up in, I graduated with 40 kids, and my class was pretty small. And um, the all-star teams are usually the combination of two ages. Like 9 and 10-year-olds were lumped into one all-star team, just to give us enough numbers. 11 and 12s, uh, 13 and 14s, 15 and 16. And early on, especially in the early years, uh, the first time I was eligible for an all-star team, I didn't make it, but I hoped I was making it. Uh, then, then I would be the older group, and I would make it that year. Then the next time I was in the younger group, and I wouldn't make it. And every time that I wasn't selected, it hurt. I don't know if you know that type of hurt, but it's tough. And, and hope brings you to hurt because you want it. But if it's your desire, if it's not God's will, it just leaves you hurting. I can also remember hurting because of a relationship with a girl that I really liked. I just graduated high school. My best friend and I went uh, about an hour away from where we lived. We found these two nice girls. We began to date them a little bit. After three or four dates, uh, it came to mind that this girl was right for me, right? And her birthday was coming up. So I ordered her flowers and had them delivered to her house. And that must have taken her to a level that she thought was unhealthy because as I began to continue to pursue her and call her over the next couple weeks, Every time I called her, this was before texting, before uh, emails, this was before uh, Snapchat or whatever. My only chance to get a hold of her was through a landline that was connected to a wire, guys. That's how old I am, okay? But I would call the house, and it would ring and ring and ring, and her mom or dad would answer, and every time I would call, um, she's not available. Oh, well, she must be busy. So I'd call again, I called again. Six times I called and talked to her dad for five or six minutes until I realized that she didn't want to have anything to do with me. And my heart hurt, even though I hoped she was the one. But I'm so thankful that God had other plans. And I didn't give up hope for what God had in store for me. But if we leave our hope only for what we desire, it, we will hurt. It will lead us to continue to open the, the packs of baseball cards and be let down. It'll continue to, to have us pursue relationships with a, a parent or a child that have, we have been uh, pushed away from to only hurt again. It will push us to continue to call the girl that won't answer your call in hopes that something will change. It will continue uh, to encourage us to take another trip to the fertility clinic in hope that we will be able to be blessed and often we will just end up being hurt. Hope can keep up us attached to something that we desire but just leaves us hurting. The, the natural desires of life are normal, but if we uh, uh, assess in our minds the hope of our desires with the hope of God, we are wrong every time because God's hope and what he says he's going to do is certain and we can stand confident in that hope. Here's the way Paul puts it in Romans 12, 12. We rejoice in our confident hope. The hope that you have of a bright future of retirement, man, you, you can celebrate that, but it, it's not that confident. But the confident hope of Christ of eternity with him is certain, and we can stand strong. So as we're in the middle of this mess, and there are crazy times, we need to recommit to the real hope of Jesus Christ and leave our feelings and our desires of this world in a different context. If, if the hope we're producing is just manufactured based on our feelings, if it's just something that we're trying to produce on our own, it is artificial and fake. And you know what I'm going to call that type of hope today? is hype. We do not have anything to do with Christians of a, a hope of, of hype. Because hype has to do with promoting something that may or may not be true, that often produces no actions. But a true hope is about proclaiming what we are certain of, our hope in Christ. Hype 
doesn't really produce anything. Hear me about this. I love the fact of getting excited about Jesus. But, but understand this. Hype is something different because it is hopeful about something that is uncertain. But our hope in Christ is clear. So how do you know if your hope is hype? Hope is hype when it's hypocritical. That's one thing we need to understand. If you've got a hope and, and you're not really living it, it's just hype. When our actions don't match what the belief and truths of God, if you're wearing the hope changes everything shirt, but you've not even changed how you think and definitely not how you live, it's just hypocritical. I would actually say this. If you haven't changed how you're thinking about the future in Christ, or, and if you haven't changed how you're living at all, quit wearing the shirt because it's hypocritical. Hope is hype when it doesn't live up to God's uh, faithfulness, when it doesn't live up to God's truth. Here's what Job says, Job 27. What is the hope of a hypocrite? Though, he, though he, he may gain or they may gain much if God takes away their life. Here's what Job is dealing with here. What, what is it good if you have a hope that's in all these things of the world, in a, in a moment's notice, in a flash, it's gone? What, what good is that hope in you, to you then? Hope is hype if it's hypocritical. Hope is also hype if it's passive. It's just hype if there's no action. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working with the Lord. He says, once you put your faith in Christ, get busy working at it. Uh, be active with your faith. If your faith is just something about words and thoughts, it's of no faith at all. Faith without actions, James says, is what? Dead. He says, so, so get after it. Too often as Christians, when we get into difficult times or we come across someone going through a tough time or maybe they're sick or hurting, maybe they're financially in, in uh, uh, dire straits, you know what we'll often say? And this is, this is really, this is negative. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Oh, uh, your, your family's got cancer? Well, we'll be thinking about you. I am all for being thoughtful and prayerful for people, but I am extremely much more ambitious about actually praying for people and getting about uh, serving them, because that's what matters. Guys, I don't think the world wants to hear us say anymore, well, we're thinking about you, or, or take it next level, we'll be praying for you. Why don't you pray for them there and get busy doing something for them right then? So who should you be praying for? Think about it. Who in your life needs to be prayed for right now? I hope all of you can think of someone. If you can't, i got three men for you to think about. Taylor Marty, they're on, he's on my heart this morning. Ben Allen and Matt Churchill. Where's Matt at? He'll, there he is in the back. He's going to do communion a little bit. Matt, uh, his hand is hurt. You can pray for him about his hand. Taylor's uh, got an ongoing struggle for his health. And Ben is beginning to lead us, and those guys need prayer. So if you can't think of someone, pray for one of those guys. But if you've already thought of somebody, let's pray for them right now. You've got 20 seconds. Let's pray instead of just think about it. Father in heaven, we lift up these names. Be with the, the men and women, the boys and girls that are hurting, that need hope, that need help. And let us love them and serve them according to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what 1 John says about this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave us his, his life up for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and see sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? 
He's saying here, if you have the ability to live well, and yet you see someone else hurting and do nothing, God's not even in you. And we say we want to love God, love people, serve all. When you see a need, meet it, unless you're that person that doesn't have a resource and needs to have a need met. The Hebrew writer here is wanting us to to connect hope with compassion. Here's what he says in chapter 6, verse 11. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. So he says, uh, all these other details, they were, these, these people had a ton of questions about uh, what they should believe, about uh, theological matters, about religious rituals. And here's what the writer says, our desire is, be above all those other things, to love others as long as you have life. In order to make certain that what hope, the hope you have for will come true. He says, make certain that what you hope will come true by loving takes us to our mission. Love God, love people, serve all. How are you doing with that? He goes on to say this, God has given both his promise and his oath. This is pretty serious. Uh, Anything God says is serious. But about this matter, the writer here is saying he's given an oath and a promise. It's a big deal. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We sang about that in just a little bit ago. God, Jesus is an anchor. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Uh, the hope we have in Christ leads us to be with God. Did, did you catch the word that, that the, the writer uses to describe hope? It's not the most romantic word. It's not the, the first thing that comes to mind. But he uses the word anchor for hope. I wonder what you think about when you think of hope. I did a Google search this week, Google image search, hope. And these are some of the images that, uh, that came up uh, in the first couple pages. You know, you see hope with a rainbow and doves flying, a person just uh, standing there. These, these are positive images. A butterfly just uh, blissfully floating along. Those are nice things, romantic things, colorful things. But the picture that the Word of God gives us is an anchor, usually made of wood or, or metal or iron with sharp edges, uh, with slime from the bottom under, often with barnacles, uh, rugged and tough, not, not soft at all. But, but this is the type of hope we need to have during storms of life, during, during uncertain times, to keep us anchored to, to what God is wanting us to do. Look what the text says again. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I want to look at two things that this anchor does that is hope in our lives as Christians. First, I believe it affects us in the storms. If you haven't noticed, there have been some storms going through, both literally as weather fronts, but also politically, financially, with our physical health concerns. There are storms flowing over our nation flowing over the world. And hear this, God's hope is a strong and stable anchor in the storms of life. He describes the the anchor of God's hope as being strong and stable. You know what we often find stability in during times of storm is what we can provide? Uh, Things like our finances. Man, they change, so that's not a good anchor. 
Uh, things like our skills, they can even change and what's desired. Our own ideas can change. And the most uh, uh, debilitating thing that can change in a moment's notice that can bring fear to almost anyone is our own health. That's why this COVID crisis has been so concerning. We have been led to think that it is devastating with our health. We need to take it serious. But I want you to know there could be anything that can take your life even quicker than COVID. So we need to be ready. Our health can be uh, taken from us so quickly and we cannot find stability or strength in that. We need to find it in the anchor hope of Jesus. I was reminded this week of how quickly our health changes, just our physical bodies can be changed. Tiffany and I took a bunch of the kids to Carlisle Lake. We were just kind of checking out the different spots around the lake. We were on a couple of the shores uh, and kind of hanging out in, in like a little bay area almost. And at the, towards the end of the afternoon, we were uh, on the west side of the, no, the east side of the lake. And uh, I decided to have a little contest with the boys about uh, just throwing rocks. I began to throw rocks, and actually I was throwing them at them. They were across the little bay, and I was seeing how close I could get without hitting them. And they had no chance to get them to me at this point because I was up on the hill. So I was just lobbing them, and we, we began to have a contest. You know, who could throw the rock the farthest? Who could hit this spot? And you know what? As usual, Dad still has the arm. So I probably threw a rock 30 or 40 times during this time and won the contest again. There will be a day where that doesn't happen. But on the way home, as we were driving home, you know, that long, like, 15, 20-minute drive to, to Duck Road, I leaned over to Tiffany and I said, my shoulder's hurting. <laughs> she goes, I knew you were going to say that. Your shoulder's going to hurt. I knew you were going to say that. I was like, how did you know you, I was going to sh- say my shoulder, my arm's hurting? She goes, because you say it every time you throw at the boys. Here's the reality. I am not the same as I was at 16. My arm and my body's not the same as it was 16 months ago. But that's not where my confidence is. Amen? My confidence isn't based on my mortal, uh, perishable body. Here's what the Word of God says about this. So if you're scared of COVID or you're scared of your body deteriorating or you're scared of facing death, uh, place your confidence, your anchor in in God's Word. Here's what it says because it's strong. It says, so it'll be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's fading. It's changing. But it is raised imperishable. It is sown with dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and pain and hurt, but it's raised in power. It is sown as a natural body, but it's raised as a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, and I see it all around me, you have one, there is also a spiritual body. Praise God for that, that your body, even when it fails, will be replaced by a perfect spiritual body, better than anything you've ever known. Isn't that amazing? That's a promise. If your body is hurting, if you're afraid of how your body could be changed in a moment's notice, even into death, it gets better. Look what God's Word says in this. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that was written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Even as you face death, in the moment you take your last breath, there is where your greatest victory comes. Your your perishable body will be replaced with what is imperishable. Your your body that is in pain will be replaced with a body that will be given glory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Praise be to God, we have victory in Jesus. It is strong and stable. No matter what the changing world does, it cannot take that hope away. 
there are people in the world, there are movements in the world right now that would like to take our hope away to refocus on something they would want us to focus on. Guys, do not let your hope be taken away uh, based on finances or, or, or race or, or, or the dysfunction of this world, but stay focused on Christ because that is where our hope is. It's strong and stable, and we can rejoice in that. Paul says rejoice in the confident hope we have. There's one other thing that I'm actually more concerned about than the storms. I'm actually more concerned about the silence right now. And our hope in Christ is a trustworthy and secure anchor during times of waiting silence. Here's the truth about the letter of Hebrews. Hebrews was written to... uh, Uh, to people that had grown up in the Jewish faith that converted to Christianity, and they began to go through a time of a a law factor. There just wasn't a lot going on. They were blessed with the Holy Spirit. The church was growing a little bit, but it was starting to kind of stall out. And they started thinking, well, maybe we need to add some of our old Jewish cultures back to Christianity to make it sufficient. And and they began to think about abandoning uh, uh, Christianity and going back to their old way because that seemed more stable. And Paul here, or not Paul, but the Hebrew writer is saying, stay focused on the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God because he's always been faithful. So he goes back and reminds them of one of their Jewish ancestors, Abraham. If you remember Abraham, he desired a son greatly. And at age 75, he still had no children. There wasn't much hope for that. He became past the age of uh, uh, raising a child, him and his wife, kind of giving up hope. And then God came to him at the age of 75 and says, I'm going to bless you with a son that will be a blessing to all people. And really, uh, that son was in the line uh, that leads to Jesus himself. And in that, he began to put his faith in God again. And for the next 25 years, God was relatively silent in Abraham's life until at the age of 100, they received their first child. In that uncertain and silent times, Abraham trusted in God and his word. And even though there was not a lot of storms during that time, it was primarily a silent time, he stayed faithful. And he's reminding the Hebrews here of this, and I believe he's also reminding you. During uncertain uh, uh, times where you don't know the future, and it seems like God isn't saying anything, God is still trustworthy and stay anchored in him. Here's what he says to the people in that moment. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull or indifferent. Here's here's the problem. When times are silent, things are easy and comfortable. When, When we really don't know the future, sometimes we can become indifferent and just go different ways and kind of float off and do different things. He says, instead of that, follow the example of those who were going Uh, to inherit God's promise before their faith and endurance. He says, uh, be faithful even in these still times where things are uncertain. Keep loving as long as life lasts. The type of love that produced hope. The NIV translation of the Bible says, don't become lazy, but keep loving. Sometimes the NIV just puts it in a way that I can remember. It says, during this time when you don't know what to do, don't get lazy, but stay after living life, a life that loves others. See, one of the dangers of this time right now that we're in spiritually is that we become indifferent. And I'm so thankful you're here. I'm so thankful you're watching online. But one of my greatest concerns, and the elders and I have talked about this, is during this time of COVID where we're not gathering as a church, where we're not spending time together, we could just begin to be lazy with our spiritual matters and become indifferent. Well, we're fine. I mean, we stayed online the last three months. Why not the next three years? 
uh, why not? Uh, why do we really need to meet for Bible study and prayer? We, we've been okay just saying we're praying for each other. Guys, we need to be very careful that laziness does not creep into our spirituality and we fade to what's most comfortable because that is not what God has in store for us and his desire. I wonder how many people you know that have just become spiritually indifferent or lazy and they're drifting away, not from this building. The elders and I would walk away from this building, or at least I would. We haven't talked about this yet. <laughs> We'd walk away from this building for the sake of growing the church. But have we become lazy with, with not gathering together, with not building each other up? And if that's the case, we're flirting with danger. We're flirting with death. You remember the movie Castaway? Tom Hanks, one of his uh, big blockbusters. And really, he was the only main actor with a guy named Wilson who happened to be a volleyball. Okay? And Tom Hanks ends up being cast away on an island alone, and he develops uh, uh, this, uh, this reality that he's stuck there. So he begins a relationship with this volleyball named Wilson. He calls Wilson, and they make it through storms. They make it through a lot. Towards the end of the movie, uh, they've just made it through a storm, and there's something coming uh, 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 against them that's going to divide them forever. And I want you to watch what it is. It could happen to you. Wilson, where are you? I don't know if you notice, Wilson, as he realizes he's, he's uh, not with him anymore, the, the sea, the, the water has come. They had just went through a major storm. They went through all these different things, and, and their relationship had, had, had been held close. But the moment where Tom Hanks relaxed and, and they were just drifting without being anchored, all of a sudden Wilson was out of reach, and it was terrifying to him. He began to dive in. I wonder how many people you know during this time, not of the storm of COVID, but of kind of the silence of COVID that you have not been in contact with. They've just been drifting off. Maybe you have been drifting off. And praise God you're here today. God wants you to be anchored in the truth of Jesus, not by anything of this unchanging world. Will you hold on to Christ? Because if not, we will become spiritually indifferent, the Bible says, and drift away. What are you going to do if you've been drifting away or friends been drifting away? Watch this clip, the next scene from this movie, and see if, see if you can relate. That seems hard, hard for me to watch still, that a man would be so torn about losing a relationship with 
fall. And we get it meant more than that in the context of that. There are people that are floating away from the church. Do you care? There are people that are slowly uh, becoming lazy and indifferent about uh, caring or praying or studying God's word. And it has very little to do with COVID. It's just about living the way they want to do. Will you crowd for them to pursue them, to, to anchor them in Christ again? Because it's not about this building. It's not about necessarily a relationship with you. It's first about Christ and then unity with one another. Are you going to be willing to pay the price to connect with them? Because there will be a time if we let the drift go on too long that they will be gone and never able to be returned. There will be a moment when, when Christ returns and if we are not connected with him, we will be separated forever and your hearts will hurt much more than what you saw in this movie for someone that you could have helped stay connected. Maybe you need to be connected today. Maybe today is this wake-up call that I have been adrift, I have been indifferent and I'm going to become grounded again because there's a day coming, and I think it's sooner than later, where, where everything is going to be made new. And if you're with Christ, you're going to be with him forever. And if you haven't made him king of your heart, you will be in hell forever. Are, who are you calling out to? First to Christ and then to others that you care about? You might say, well, Tyson, I don't know what I can do. You can love God, love people, and serve all. But what does that really mean? I heard about a teacher who had recently retired. She wanted to continue to give back and make a difference. So she entered into a program where she went in one-on-one and didn't tutor a child, but actually taught a child in intensive care who wasn't able to go to school. During this COVID time, that may be what some of you uh, retired teachers, educators, uh, people that don't have trouble with phonics, you can do that, okay? But this lady says, I'm going to go into and help this, uh, this boy in ICU who had been burned. 80% of his body had been burned. He was overwhelmed with physical problems, emotional problems, a young boy. And as he went in, about ready to go into a room, she saw the notes from his, his teacher in school, and it says, uh, this, this boy need to focus on nouns and adverbs, or adjectives. And he, she went in, and she about went in through the door. She said, I don't know if I can do this. This boy's going to be suffering. He's going to be in so much pain. She pushed through and, and introduced herself as his teacher, and they were going to focus today on nouns and adjectives. And the boy's life changed right there. She didn't know, but she taught the lesson left. And as she was coming back the next day, the nurse ran to her and says, what did you say to him? He's a totally different young, young man. He's, he, everything seems to change. And she was curious, so she went in the room. And before she started the class, she says, hey, what's going on? What, what did I say that made such a difference? And he says, well, I thought I was dead. I thought there wasn't any hope for me. I, I thought I was a goner. And I kind of gave up. And then... As you came in my room and started teaching me, I figured I must not be dying if they're here to teach me about nouns and adjectives. <laughs> There's truth in that. What can you do to give hope to someone they think they, nobody cares about them, uh, nobody would give them the time of the day? It may be teaching nouns and adjectives. It may be phonics. It may be looking through baseball cards. There's something in your life right now that you can do for someone else that, that will give them hope that they matter and that God loves them. And when you love God, love people, and serve all, we can share that hope. Today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus and make him king of your heart, please come forward. Uh, I know some of the pastors will be down front. Matt will be here. Dee will be over here. If you have a decision to make, please come at least pray with us, and let's start walking together.